everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Hello everyone, sorry that we're a little bit late, Chloe was <laughs> locked out of the house. Uh, oh, oh god, I'm actually really lucky, there's nothing to complain about, I struck gold, I literally said I would go, go, go back to the airport, I got to the front door and I was like, I know for a fact I don't have my keys on me, you just know, you don't even need to look, I was like, I, I don't remember seeing them in my bag at any point, I don't remember locking up the house, I don't remember putting them in my bag James is in fucking Ibiza <laughs> it's like oh my god what am I gonna do so I just like googled it in my local village because we live in a village I googled in my local village locksmith and got this number and called up and the guy was like yeah look I can come out to you so that was the first win like now who's like but you um I need photographic ID of your photo and, and proof of your address that I come to and I was like fuck I was like all my photographic IDs have my London address on them and I was like I don't have anything they've all got my London address on them he went who is this and I was like it's Chloe <laughs> it's me <laughs> And he was like, oh, I've done all your locks. I know who you are. I'm coming now. And I was like, oh, my God, what a win. And he let me in and, and it, everything's fine. I'm just very tired. Oh, traveling is exhausting, especially when you're traveling and pregnant and then you get locked out of your house. <laughs> How are you? How's your day been? It's so sunny here. It's so sunny here. I've had a lovely day in the sun. My flatmate just got back from London and you have a yeah. new flatmate sorry what so right I need to tell you I've not filled you in on any of this right you've not filled me in on this so I've decided that at 30 a great thing to do is just move in your friends so two of my mates are moving in one of them's already here he's called Jordan he'll probably come in halfway through this live what uh, like? what's Jordan like is he sexy is he tall is he French where's he from <laughs> He's not French and he's not tall, but I'd say he's quite an attractive man. I'll bring, I'll make him come so you can view him while, when he comes back in. 100% we need to judge Jordan. Is he straight? Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's looking for, yeah. no, he's we need quite to young him. though. How young? Uh, 25. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, he's over know. 18. So guys, fair <laughs> okay. game. I'd say over 21, totally acceptable. Yeah. He's quite mature for his age. Um, and then my friend Lisa has just bought a house, but she can't move in until September. So she's moving in as well. This is like, I'm so jealous. I'm really It's going to be fun, I think. Yeah, living with James, I'm like, oh, I would so much rather be living with my friends. Although she's got two, like, huge cats. I thought you were going to say kids then. And I was like, wow, you're really taking on <laughs> quite a lot of people now. Two cats. Oh, yeah, but cats do what they want to do. Cats are fine. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about cats, but we'll see. We'll see. It'll be fine. What do you mean by huge? Like how big? Just like big, like they could be small dogs. <laughs> Definitely. Why do I think I can't know anything about breeds still or, or care what about? What breed them? are they? I don't know. 
back to pop culture my favorite taylor swift has like the coolest cats and every time i see them on her instagram i'm like i'd like a cat like that why are they cool they're they're like a specific breed they like sit upright and they're (laughs) they're just a bit weird and i love them just odd animals one of my friends has cats that have no skin no hair no hair (laughs) just skin (laughs) imagine no skin (laughs) have you not seen that episode in friends where she's like every time it hisses i swear it's like rachel <laughs> so funny double cats sorry if anyone has a hellish cat <laughs> what are they called siamese um i don't think that's what the, the hairless ones are called <laughs> oh no, no they're not <laughs> conjoined cats <laughs> right okay let's continue with the life right okay. i'm getting the question I told you it was going to be a shit show <laughs> because it always is when one of us is tired. Okay. Uh, um, loads of people just saying hi. Hello, being in the UK makes getting to these so much easier. Hello from Solly Hall. Hi, Samantha. Oh, Bish yes. Bosch. Bish Bosch is back. Just signed up second time round after having six months off. Happy to be back. We love everyone who's returning. I mean, we love everyone, but. I just let you into the group, Bish Bosch. And I was like, is this the same Bish Bosch that I think it might be? I think it is. Um, Sinead's just asking, what time is the live? It's now. Okay, right. We have a question here. Hi, lovely lady. I am confused about the description for the wall sit exercise in the grads pull session. It says time 30 seconds and then tempo. Just ignore the tempo because it's obviously not meant to be there. Just to give context to that, every time you put in an exercise, the tempo comes up. So I obviously just forgot to take it off because wall sit obviously doesn't require tempo. So just just remove. I've got the questions up too, but I'll let you keep going, Emski. Okay. Hi all, I'm back for round two and feeling excited to continue. I'm really loving the EC method and it's really changed all of my, my all or nothing mentality. I've had days where I've gone over calories and rather than chucking it in the fuck it bucket, I've put it behind me and got back on track the next meal or the next day. I've also done the first grad workout this morning and managed to do a full 55 press ups without going to my knees. What? (laughs) What? I had to stop to take breaks, but I'm amazed and proud that I actually did it. That's incredible. Okay, a couple of questions for Emma. Um, I really want to be able to do an unassisted pull up. I have an assisted pull up machine at home. You have an assisted pull-up machine at home. Wow. Am I best? (laughs) What? Most gyms don't even have that. I know. Very good. Anyway, great. Am I best to practice on that rather than with the resistance band? Also, am I best to go for a slightly heavier weight and do lots of reps or go for a lighter weight and do as many as I can? Secondly, okay, I'll answer that first. There's actually a whole pull-up guide on the members area. So I would go and I would... I would do the pull-up guide because I've written exactly this, exactly what you need to do to get your first pull-up. So follow that as opposed to any of this stuff. And then secondly, if I'm doing the gym workouts and I want to do five per week, what's the best split? Push, pull, legs, full body and one other or drop the full body and do two times legs, two times push, one times pull, for example. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, If you want to do five, I would do one of two things. I would either start your week early i.e do push pull legs full body rotate them and just work through them in rotation it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is or do push pull legs full body and then be like 
okay, these are the three areas I really want to work on. I really want to get better at my pull-ups. I really want to get better at, I don't know, my glute exercises. And I know I need to rehab an old shoulder injury or whatever, and kind of create a session around what I would call like quote unquote weakness areas or areas that you really want to improve. Um, and, and then like create your own session based around that. Agreed. Okay, here's one for you. What can I do instead of jumping exercises? I am currently recovering from a patella impingement. Yeah, we talk about this in every round. If you guys are doing, are there any jumping exercises in your gym workouts, Emma? Do you have any jumps or like finishes or whatever? Yeah, there probably is, yeah. Okay, so uh, specifically with home workouts, this is where people who have injuries and issues with sorry specifically with home body weight workouts people with injuries and issues are going to struggle and the reason you're going to struggle is because home body weight workouts in order for them to really be effective they have to be quite dynamic there has to be a lot of movement they're, they're usually quite high impact and it's a struggle and this is really unpopular advice but the fact of the matter is if you have injuries knee injuries back injuries these kinds of things you're really going to benefit from getting in a gym because you need those benches and machines to support your back to be able to do, for example, leg exercises without load bearing down through your spine um, and keeping all impact off the joints. So something really important to consider. Um, in the home workouts, if you have things like burpees, mountain climbers, star jumps, which will just be random bits kind of in the middle of the workout to keep your heart rate up or even finishes at the very end of the workout. Um, obviously it goes without saying, do not do them if you have any injuries or joint problems. Um, really good swaps would be, for example, if it's your back, doing something like a walking lunge, that's really gonna, gonna tax you and it's gonna protect your back. Probably not, again, the easiest thing if you have bad knees. Um, if you have bad knees, instead try mountain climbers on sliders. You can either buy sliders for the floor or you can just use tea towels. So you're keeping that impact off and you don't need to bring your knee all the way up if you can't. Even just like a tiny movement holding that position will wreck you. Um, so those are the best two swaps. But just to be clear, again, injuries are better uh, trained around in the gym. Yeah. And just for context as well, because I think some people feel a bit like disheartened when we're like, well, you know, swap out or like, don't do that exercise, just leave it like that. But I'll never do it again. Like there are so many exercises that I will never do again. I never do any plyo ever. Like, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I would ever do it again. Even sometimes like a lot of walking hurts my back or like even when, when I've been for very short jogs, I'm like, yeah, I can feel that it's not going to feel great. So I, I don't do that. And it's, like yeah is it a little bit annoying sure but you can have a victim mentality around it or you can be like okay my body doesn't really like that but these are the things I can do and realistically it doesn't really hold you back like that much I I don't feel held back by it I'm just like yeah I have to accept that actually my back doesn't like it when I do that but even like professional athletes can't do every modality of training because it will impede on their specific on this best specificity of training and their chosen sport like no you'd be really hard pressed to find someone who's over the age of 25 who can do every exercise in the book like it doesn't really happen especially like you know unassisted like a natural athlete it doesn't really happen um but I can't do I have to do wide stance everything now sumo because I'm pregnant but I have to do wide stance everything because I get bursitis in my knees in the second like the second that I even try and do like hip width or narrow stance or anything 
bang, I get one set in and I'm done. I have to leave the gym. So yeah, I love that, Emma. It's such a good point to make. Nobody is 100%. Yeah, agree. Okay, um, Katie, great start. First day on the plan. Just got your journal, Emma. It's so useful. Very glad. Emma's just saying, I'm a newbie. I made a copy of Emma's spreadsheet and it's made me feel so in control. Yeah, guys, there's, there's loads of like bits that are optional on the members area. So go and have a look. And like, if you're someone who really likes spreadsheets and stuff, great there's that there but you don't have to use it but some people absolutely love it and we'll get to the end of the round and there'll be like one or two people that are like I track this every single day and look at it it's amazing and I'm like wow someone's actually using it because I spent ages on these things then I'm like nobody likes them but it's totally up to you like some people love tracking data in that way other people don't and there isn't a right or wrong way to do it it's just what works for you and how you enjoy kind of like whatever tracking your own data I love an Excel spreadsheet because I'm psychotic like that. I thought it was one of our clients, the one that we use on. on oh, the no, I spent ages making these. They're so good. I love it. And I thought I was so clever being able to do like the it will just create a copy for you. Took me ages to figure that out. Yeah, I know, because I was going to say, like, why didn't I mean, I've got and then I was like, I reckon there was loads of additional stuff that needed doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, hopefully people use them and find them useful. Yeah, a lot of people love the spreadsheets. I've, I've seen them at the end of every round. Um, okay, Tracy, hi. Where do we find the documents, please? Sorry, still navigating. They're all on the members area, which is pinned in the Facebook groups, the top of the Facebook group. So go and have a look there. Hi, everyone. I'm a newbie. I feel a little far behind finding stuff. Managed the workout, but couldn't find the nutrition guide part. Again, go to the pinned post on on the Facebook page, you need to look at the members area. Nothing, will, I'm surprised you've got this far. Well done, Kimberly, because nothing will really make sense until you go to the members area. Read all the featured posts at the top of the Facebook page, especially the welcome post written by Emma. That will lead you with the links to the website where everything you need to read and videos on how to set everything up is all there for you. Awesome. Okay, Jenna. Good evening. I've heard other PTs talk about metabolic flexibility, which seems to involve dropping to very low fat levels and then building back up to build muscle, but with high calories. Um, what some would consider, quote unquote, cheat meals. Can you explain how this works? And is metabolic flexibility a real thing? No. <laughs> uh, no. It would be a really suboptimal if the goal was to build muscle, it would be really suboptimal to basically starve yourself for X amount of weeks or months first and then start building muscle. Like that's not a good way around to do it. But I haven't heard this term before, but I know a lot of PTs, including very good, very high end professional coaches in the professional athlete world. I've heard and seen it be like you we need to basically completely shred you rip you up so then we can start building muscle and it's just like hit and shit calories and I'm just like that's the antithesis of what you should do to start building muscle but there's still also so you don't need to lose fat in order to build muscle like I, I kind of hate that narrative of like oh yeah I don't deserve to be able to do strength training yet because I still have body fat like Is fuck off it's for everyone anyone can build muscle at any time but you don't need to first lose the weight and then build the muscle and it's the best thing you can possibly be doing for yourself 
but no. fat loss will help with that in terms of like what's going on hormonally and insulin sensitivity and things like that like fat loss will will aid so I'm not saying like just bulk if you're already very overweight but you can be losing fat and building muscle and, and you should always be training like you want to build muscle I think with the metabolic flexibility again it's a term that gets thrown around and it depends how someone's like defining this but I've also heard it in terms of your ability to like burn fat as fuel and carbohydrates as fuel and I'm like yeah your body's freaking incredible it can already do that like we already have the ability to be metabolically flexible in that sense like you don't need to work on that you don't need to do anything about it it just does it for you it's incredible (laughs) there is I mean yeah okay yeah whatever (laughs) okay next question hi emma chloe and all i'm new and realized today it's hard to reach 1800 calories when cooking from scratch and hitting a protein target and i'm feeling really full yay that's a good problem to have i know do other people have the same issue also wondered if it's best to try to try to try to reach calorie level each day and not banking calories for another day thanks who wrote that Kiara. Okay, so we have a really similar one from Sadie here who's saying that she's on 1200 calories and she's stuffed and she, yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. Um, Emma, I'll let you start. Okay. Um, yes, this is totally normal. And I think it kind of shows as well that if you, if you cook from scratch, if you're eating primarily whole foods, you'll find that actually 1800 calories is a lot of food a lot of and food. you'll be really, really full on that. And that doesn't mean that you're not losing body fat. I think some people, people go one of two ways. They're either really scared of being hungry or they think if I'm not hungry, I'm not losing body fat. Neither of those are true. Some hunger is quite normal on a fat loss diet, but depending on what you're eating and if you're eating primarily whole foods that you're cooking from scratch, that means you're going to have really quite high food volume, probably high protein, probably high fruit and veg, which means that, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be pretty full and you'll still be losing body fat because you'll still be in a deficit. So that's excellent. In terms of banking calories, I think we're both similar here in that for 99% of people, your working week or your midweek is more is or is less sociable than your weekend. So I think for almost everyone, cutting calories a little bit during the week and then having more on the weekend works really nicely it's how I eat I'm pretty sure it's how Chloe eats most of the time and what we don't mean is like let's cut your calories to a thousand during the week and then do whatever you want on the weekend like there is a balance there like let's say you're on 1800 maybe you have 16 1700 during the week which gives you you know maybe almost a thousand calories to play with over the weekend which are like extra and then you don't have to think too much about food choices if you're eating out you don't have to be like oh I need to stick right within these calories you have a little bit more flexibility so I think it's sensible to bank calories just don't don't go too extreme and as a a general rule we normally say don't go above or below like 20 percent yeah, I mean, look, it, it can be, it could go one of two ways. For some clients, it's a huge savior to come down to, you know, 1500 calories Monday through Friday and then have banked, you know, 500 for a Saturday or a Sunday or both. Like it can really help because people are more sociable on weekends. And it's kind of something, it's a bit of respite from the diet at regular intervals every week. So psychologically, it can be really helpful too, as well as socially and 
and and and it's it's not a bad thing to do and well you know the same thing can be said for just coming up to maintenance two days a week you are going to slow down your fat loss phase but you're still exceeding like you're still in a deficit overall over the week um and that's always an option as well now then there's the other side of it that some people actually it trips them up a bit um and actually they 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 fare better just being consistent and staying consistent on 16 1700 calories monday through sunday um and then you know and then there's the, the, the then there's the middle approach which is well some weekends that's an option and some weekends just stick to it it will affect your scale di- data um for a couple days a week but that doesn't really matter because as emma and i say we always go on a trend over a period of weeks plural so it won't affect it in that sense um but just again psychologically something to consider with your scale weight i tend to find that as i get leaner and then i have brief feed days or higher ca- or banked higher calorie days that the scales actually drop but that's quite rare for most people they will go up for a few days and that's not body fat it's just you've eaten more food if you've eaten more carbohydrates you're storing more glycogen if you're storing more glycogen you're storing more water and so don't let it freak you out but again psychologically if you're just starting to get your head around the scales being fluxy and it starts to piss you off i like that um i like i like i actually whatever anyway (laughs) stay on track chloe stay on track um then it can be again something to consider like oh is it is it actually like rubbing you up the wrong way but then they, yeah. again, there's an and, and you're right sometimes you actually go down I remember having this question quite a lot like why and this was back when people used to talk about cheat days which by the way we don't talk about anymore but people were like why do I weigh less after quote-unquote cheat day when I've eaten more calories but if you think about it, I mean it kind of links back to this question 1800 calories of whole foods cooked from scratch is a ton of food yeah 1800 calories from a curry and a couple of beers isn't very much food but it's like you know it's higher calories but that doesn't mean it it doesn't weigh the same amount so sometimes you can actually be lighter after a day where you've technically eaten more calories but I have had clients and myself do it just from increasing their normal diet you know what I mean like it just and I don't actually really know what the reasoning behind it would be I would venture to guess something to do with cortisol I I don't fucking know but but it is it is something that can happen, but it definitely isn't necessary. It, it happens, but it's not the norm. Like you're more like you're much more likely to see the scales go up. You know, I reckon statistically. Agree. Okay, Rebecca, holla! So happy to be here. Can you cover the benefits of creatine and recommend a brand? P.S. Chloe, you may remember me fangirling you at Cafe Mambo last summer. My husband was horrified. <laughs> Oh my god, I love you. Your dress was amazing. I do remember this. Why was she horrified? We were all absolutely battered. Oh my god, James was DJing that night and he accidentally turned all the music off with his manky rugby finger and he was like <gasps> and he looked at me and I was like, "You mean that's just the worst thing that could happen at Cafe Mambo because it's like the hottest spot to DJ in <laughs> Anyway, hi babe. Red oh. dress, right? Am I right in thinking you were in a red dress? Oh, whatever. Screw the men. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, well, now I'm all distracted. What was the question? Um, the question was, <clears throat> can oh, you cover creatine. the bit? Creatine. <coughs> I actually did a huge post on this, which I thought I'd put on the page. Let me just see if I've put it up. Hang about. Um, Emma, do you want to take the lead? And I'm going to put it on the page. 
Yeah, I've got loads of posts on creatine as well, if you can't find it. Um, so the main benefits are going to be your ability to lift heavier weights in, in relation to your body composition, which then will hopefully mean that you build more muscle and then that would improve body composition. There are also some really interesting potential benefits around cognitive function as well. So if, if you're thinking, right, well, I don't know, we get a lot of questions like if I'm not going to the gym, should I still take creatine? Or if I'm, I don't know, not if I'm injured and I'm not strength training, should I still take creatine? Yes, probably even more point to take it if you're not strength training. Um, well, maybe not even more, but anyway, yes, definitely. I would still be taking it. I take it all the time and I would go for creatine monohydrate um because it's the cheapest and has the most research back behind it um, oh I, I, yeah only go for creatine monohydrate don't there's so many like scams around creatine like this this saturates the muscle quicker and this is uh, fuck it no the, yeah the, i mean there's some that claim that you don't get water retention with this one which just screams to me it doesn't work this creatine doesn't work because yeah. the whole point is if you want it's like saying we could fill your muscle with carbs without having you store any water. It's like, but you need water to store the carbs in your muscle as glycogen. So you're saying that it doesn't work basically. The same is true with creatine. Like you are meant to retain a bit of water within your muscle to help store the creatine. Like there's no way around that. So if, if it's not, if you're not going up in weight a little bit when you take creatine, like it's probably not being stored in the way that it should be being stored. Um, so yeah, that, that would be the considerations around creatine. And I would just take, to start with, I would just take like three to five grams. I wouldn't do a loading phase. Um, yeah. So you don't, you absolutely don't need to. I could just put it on underneath on this live chat, the link to it. It's pretty cool. And I'm also just going to add it to my, oh, God bless you. That was a really aggressive, I think it's because I tried to hold it in. <laughs> I'm also just going to add it now to my post um <laughs> you're huh. I'm, gonna, okay. I'm gonna um, add the list of posts that uh links that I think you should all read just because they're the most commonly asked questions that we get awesome. okay, added. okay I totally love your approach to calorie scale weighing and workouts just on the first day and I'm already mind blown thank you oh uh, Lizzie, hello ladies, good to be here. With regards to the gym exercises, will this be the program that we follow for the whole eight weeks or does it change? It will change at week four. Oh, admin, everybody go read my feature, my pinned features post on the home workouts because a couple of the grads have been like, uh, I think I've got the wrong workouts because they're not brand spanking new. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like by the <laughs> by the end of this round, there's 39 home workouts. And I don't think you understand what a win that is. <laughs> it's not the same as doing gym workouts. We are limited. We are limited with, with equipment. We're limited with what people can actually do at home. Um, and I 100% edit them and add to them every round, but I absolutely won't change them because if I did, they'd be not as good as they are now. So I just would never do that. Um, but go and read the post because also I touch on something that is in the coach world, something that all PTs talk about. It's like the biggest kind of misconception of, of our clients is that they think most clients, especially who are new to training, think that workouts need to change every week for your body to like, I don't know, keep responding or keep your body guessing. It's the polar opposite. That is a suboptimal thing to do 
exercises, the, the old mainstay exercises work and training for physique specifically, um, but also, you know, even like powerlifting in terms of performance, it's boring, you know, squats work, deadlifts work, bicep curls work, shoulder presses work, you know, bent over rows work, these things work. Um, and it would be, we would be bad coaches to take them out of a plan just to put in something that's like a bit of a shit random exercise to keep clients happy. So yeah, it's uh, definitely a post that I think anybody who's like, oh, I'm so used to changing my workouts every week should go and read. Yeah, you're probably limiting yourself if you're changing your workouts every week. And it's really hard to see progress if you're doing that as well. Plus it takes a lot of mental energy to figure out a new workout every single week actually it's much better to get your head around a workout and then start really pushing performance instead of thinking oh here's a completely new exercise I wonder if I'm doing it right oh I'll have to YouTube it oh I'll send a a video in the group blah 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 blah. and then the next week all the freaking exercises change again you have to start all over again and then you're not really like progressing in any way and you're wasting a lot of time watching videos of how to do exercises instead of actually building muscle a hundred percent and also like not only in terms of of I love what Emma said about get used to the workouts get good at the workouts start to progress the workouts and then if you want and this is what I do and I'm pretty sure Emma does the same although I don't want to speak for her and then as you go you edit your workouts you change a standard deadlift for a sumo deadlift or you know you go to the gym and you think actually this the next couple weeks I'm going to do a fuck off heavy leg press instead of a standing squat like and you 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 just slowly start to kind of be like oh instead of that one I'll do that one but you never like overhaul what I don't think anyway anyway anyone who's quite experienced in the gym would ever just go in and completely overhaul every workout that they do unless they've literally been doing it forever and they're fucking bored they need (laughs) they need they need a bit of a break but even then the mainstays would stay they just would yeah I mean I've never had a training program unless injured or something that doesn't have like the basic movements whether like you I mean it might not have a squat but it would have a leg press or like you know you, it's the same movement pattern that you're using and obviously at the gym like Chloe's saying you've got a little bit more variety there so I could put in a leg press one week instead of having you squat but it's very similar um recruitment of muscles yeah okay Debbie, hi, any tips on setting realistic expectations? Even though I shouldn't, my immediate thought when starting a fat loss journey is how much weight can I lose in X period of time? (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I'll be totally honest with you. Um, The fact that you're noting that that is not the way to go into this thinking is the first hurrah. Like this is the first kind of change. Um, And instead, what we should be doing is uh, looking at what your goal is. And just to clear this up, weight loss isn't a goal, like it isn't a a good goal. Sorry, but it's not unless you are coming in here and you have to have surgery or you have to have IVF or whatever you have to have. And you have to hit a specific weight that you've been set. Really, those those are really the only specialist circumstances in which case weight loss is the goal. But even then. The goal for us as coaches is not to see how much weight you can lose, but it's rather to see, can we stimulate and build muscle while we lose body fat, recomp your body so that you feel better so that, and I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but I, it's me, (laughs) I'm just going to say it so that you look better so that you are 
happier in your own skin. It's true though. Like it's totally true. Like you want to see someone just like crash diet weight loss versus someone who actually build manages to build some muscle and lose some body fat at the same time and see what they both look like after six months. See, there's a quote from Polly Norden that's so brutal, but it's something about this. It's something like, if you diet without lifting weights, you'll just be a skinny version of your fat self. <laughs> Grab it. And like, got- we would never say that, obviously, no. but there is an element of truth in it. Uh, but exactly, like crash diet, crash. So, so well done. You just lost six kgs in six months. But I'm sorry, like you don't look as good as you would if you'd lost three kg in six months built muscle, lost predominantly body fat, put those two people next to each other. I'm sorry, like I know people are like, we shouldn't be doing this for how we look, but let's be honest, people wear makeup, people go shopping, people care about how they look. And a lot of people, let's all hold our hands up and be honest, are here training in the gym, trying to get comfortable in their own skin so they can feel good in their own skin, so they can be confident. And I'm sorry, but that's a huge part of it. Now, that let's park how you look you are going to feel a lot better if you lose body fat and build muscle mass um you know we talk about how uh muscle mass is a huge but increased muscle mass is a huge health marker it's not all about how you look um so we we need to change the weight loss weight loss weight loss goal that's not the goal the goal ideally would be body recomposition and that's what we're trying to get you to do so then you would say okay so the goal is body recomposition what what do i have to do guys and we're like well okay calorie intake is it appropriate for you your goals your body you know your your height your current weight your expenditure so calories protein are you getting in your protein every day um Uh, steps per week, both for metabolic health, but also for that energy expenditure side of the balance, which is just as important for fat loss as calories in, just as important. Training, are you going in the gym? Are you stimulating muscle? Are you working hard? Are you getting fit, strong, active? This is all gonna be reflected on your body. How hard, I say it every time and I stand by it, how hard you work in the gym is gonna be reflected in your results. Um, And all of a sudden, all of these things, which are actually, like I just said, health markers the steps the nutrition being calorically aware the the workouts these are all health markers as well as physique markers they become the focus they become the goal and it's no longer about how much you weigh and that is how we change your focus in my head (laughs) yeah and then so another another thing that I think is important to consider is why you want to lose weight and I would suggest everyone does this like get a piece of paper out and just if weight loss is your goal write down why you want to lose weight and it sometimes it gets quite deep but like what do you think is going to happen when you lose weight and it might you know it's absolutely fine it's close saying one of them might be to look a certain way one of them might be to be a like we have a lot of mums who are like I want to be a role model to my daughter or to my son or like I want to show up better at work and I want to feel more confident I want to make sure that I can fit in X dress for a wedding or, you know, whatever it is, like figure out the actual why, because it is never, I want to weigh 61.5 kilograms who like nobody apart from you cares and nobody apart from, you knows. you don't walk around with a big sign on your head saying, this is exactly how much I weigh. So it's never the weight loss. It's what you think is going to come with that. So once you write that down and you figure that out, that means that you're not going to become obsessed with the scales when you're like, okay I've achieved all this so if you're like my why for losing weight is to fit in this wedding dress cool I fit in the wedding dress if you don't write that why down and you don't remind yourself why you're doing it then you'll be pissed off when you don't hit your arbitrary weight goal even though you actually did the thing that you wanted to do or if your why is like 
I don't know, I want, I want to be fit enough to be able to run after my kids and I want to be able to wear a bikini on holiday and not feel self-conscious. Great. Make sure you're measuring those as your outcome and not some random scale weight that you used to weigh when you were 21. Like, otherwise you feel like a failure, even though you've actually achieved everything that you wanted to achieve. So writing those things down is really, really, really important. And one of my, one of my one-to-one clients once told me this story and I was like, this is such a good example of like measuring the wrong outcome. And she was talking about how she took her puppy to puppy training classes and she like obviously the idea of puppy training classes is you want a well-behaved dog at the end of it now at the end of it they do this test and you get a certificate and you know the dog has to do all these tests and then if they tick them all off they get the certificate at the end now her dog failed and didn't get the certificate and she, she she left and she was like I'm I'm annoyed that like I've spent all this money and I did the full eight weeks or whatever it was and I went every day and like he's so good normally but like he didn't pass I didn't get the certificate right the certificate means nothing no one goes around being like does your dog have its training certificate no it's what did you want from it I wanted a well-trained dog does the dog do everything that you want it to do like does it come when you call it does it sit does it behave with the kids blah 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 yes so you got the outcome that you wanted but you didn't get the certificate and this is exactly the same as what we see all the time with weight loss people are like I feel so much better I'm so much healthier I'm I'm a happier person I wear bikinis now I never did before um what like whatever I fit into this dress that I really wanted to fit into but I'm just really annoyed that I never got to 61.5 kilograms because that's what I used to wear when I was 21 it's like you've got everything that you wanted but you're still annoyed that some random measure that means nothing that nobody apart from you cares about like you didn't hit that target it's yeah. just make sure that you're focused on like what what you actually want the outcome to be and I think that will massively help um oh can I just say with the weight loss goals as well just another one-to-one client story that I had and this will hopefully this will provide some context to everyone because it made me go like <laughs> I was like as a I got through like three months of training one of my clients a few months ago she's still with me now and she turned around at the end and she was like exactly what Emma just said I've hit all my targets I'm done with fat loss like she's you know she's had a big history behind her of of, you know a big journey a big health and fitness journey and she was like, I've done everything and I'm ready. Big milestone for us. It's okay. And she was like, you know, I'm just even just writing this. I'm really hesitant because when she was about 13 years old, her geography teacher stood up at the front of the class and told the whole class, for what reason, I don't know, that her that she weighed like 56 kgs. And ever since, I won't say this client's name, ever since this client was a teenager, she now had in her head, and because her geography teacher was like, had a lovely body, I have to weigh 50, whatever, 56 kgs. I have to weigh 50. Her whole life, like her whole life, that was like her, her primary focus. And I was like, just think about that for a minute. This is a this is another woman. This is a teacher saying her weight had a huge impact on her life to the degree that even when she was strong, fit, lifting for the first time in mega fucking shape, had achieved every body transformation goal under the sun, she was still tied to her old geography teacher's body weight goal. And this is what it does. And it's so irrelevant. And Emma and I are really lucky because we're, we're qualified in this area and we're very experienced and we can see it. But it's really hard to get that context and get that reality slap 
when you're in it, when it's all you can see. So all of you with a weight loss goal, please, please start to work on just like wrenching it away from you because it's just neither it's completely arbitrary well this is why again this is why journaling is so good right because you (laughs) have these things like debbie if you were journaling you would have written this down okay i have these like uh as soon as i start fat loss i have these expectations of losing x amount in x period of time and like but i know you've already said in this like i know that i shouldn't have that immediate thought so you work through it and actually if you if like your client is this, if like yeah well i always had this goal of 58 kilogram whatever it is because my geography teacher weighed that now you know rationally that that is ridiculous like it's not you she might have been five foot tall and you're five foot eleven or whatever like it might be impossible for you to weigh that little and like this is going to be like I guess like quite brutal but like it is on you to start questioning that stuff you could yeah sure like diet culture has been awful for so many women but a lot of that messaging is still going to be there. It isn't going to change. Or like it's been done. Like some of the damage has been done. You need to start questioning it and being like, why do I want to weigh this weight that some random celebrity is weighing? Like it doesn't mean anything to you. And once you kind of write that out and you see how ridiculous it is, then you can start questioning these thoughts. Now that doesn't mean that you'll never have these thoughts. And like Debbie, you're already questioning that. You're already like, I know I shouldn't feel like this, but that's great. And it, there isn't a quick fix answer of, okay then you'll never feel like this again but now you see that like you see that thought and you're like that's a ridiculous thought I'm not going to give it any more airtime, and I'm going to move on and the more and more you do that the less and less those thoughts come up but I think some people feel like they're still doing something wrong because they're like oh yeah but whenever I think about fat loss I think about like how much I weigh or how much I can lose the next time and the difference is like now you're going to question that and you're going to be like yeah that's a silly thing to think rather than like being sucked into it like you potentially would have previously yeah basically Emma's saying if you open up to her vajay all of your dreams basically get my vajay dive in (laughs) flick through it every day (laughs) (laughs) give it love and attention every day and it will reward you isn't that always the way (laughs) yeah okay Candice hello ladies so Candice is back yeah, so happy to be back. My husband has started a fat loss plan and he has been put on very low carbs for the first three weeks. It's with a reputable coach. Who? Who? Name them. Name them now. So what's the science behind this? There's, there is rationale behind this. I personally wouldn't do it. That's why we don't do it. But if you yeah, go yeah. low carb, then you will see more weight loss immediate, like quicker because you'll be losing glycogen, not body fat. So you'll be losing water weight. So sometimes initially that's quite good because it gets the ball rolling a little bit quicker. And then people are like, oh my God, I lost three pounds in the first week, buzzing. And it's like, yeah, you lost a lot of water weight in the first week. But if that actually gives you enough motivation to then keep going, great. But in terms of like science behind it, burning more body fat or like helping you lose more body fat, there is none. The only thing that will dictate that is the size of the calorie deficit that you're in yeah again there are multiple reasons why a coach might put a client on lower carbs if it's like just if it's specifically on the for the start of a diet plan yeah it's it's basically to to see the scales drop to get some buy-in to get some momentum there is actually talking about that metabolic flexibility which still is a term that i haven't heard yet but I, I totally understand what you're referring to and what you mean, given the, the conversation. Um, 
there is still a school of thought that by dropping carbohydrates you can deplete uh glycogen and increase the rate at which fat loss occurs but so many studies have debunked that now in terms of when all cat when specifically calories uh, and protein specifically are equal in both groups um whether the rest of the calories uh, what percentage came from carbs and fat so they, then they would do somebody on uh a lower carb, higher fat diet, and somebody on a higher carb, lower fat diet, um, the fat, the actual fat loss is completely equated. Um, so it, it has actually been disproven. Um, but that's another really old school kind of school of thought, definitely something that got 10 years ago, I used to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's not, it's not necessary. It, it's, it's just not, you just don't need to, that's the thing. And yeah that's what people miss yeah and if you want to fine but yeah. again like it, it's a choice like you don't need to do that and as Chloe's saying the thing that will dictate your fat loss is the size of your deficit and then secondary protein to make sure you're maintaining lean body mass as well okay, okay Katie do you think I should switch some of my CrossFit training for your workouts I currently do five CrossFit sessions and two to three runs a week so I'm very active I'm here to create good habits with food choices and be consistent wondering if I would benefit from switching up the training goals are to lose five kilograms and get my abs back loving the support um if you if you love what you're doing now there's no need to change it but if you're like I actually would really like to build some muscle then yeah you're probably better doing the gym workouts than the CrossFit workouts so maybe you could take away two CrossFit workouts and do the push and pull workouts at the gym yeah nothing to add okay Jill um need to check the website as have been oh okay uh my question though do I set my okay do I set my calorie so yeah Jill you need to watch the the if you check the website all of this will become clear um Tracy Cooper, myth buster, please. Sorry, I need to say this so I can move on. I'm convinced I can't lose weight due to menopause. HRT gained a lot of weight during lockdown. And after having the marina, feel free to bollock me. I know I'm, mental, I'm mentally just making excuses for myself. Just need you to say it so I can move forward. Yes, Tracy, you can absolutely lose body fat during menopause. Yeah. yeah like the, the thing it may it may genuinely be harder but like if even if you think about this sometimes I like to use extremes to prove a point if you couldn't lose body fat during menopause it would be impossible to starve like you would have cured somehow world starvation yeah like, so good it's just a really extreme example when people are like oh I think I'm in starvation mode so I'm eating too few calories and my body's just storing them it does not happen like if you are in a deficit, that energy deficit, by the way, I think sometimes we forget because we use these words so often, but like a calorie deficit means an energy deficit. So you are expending more energy than you've taken in. Now that energy has to come from somewhere. So it comes from your stored energy. And that's what body fat is stored energy. And the same is true in menopause. If you are expending more energy than you take in, that energy has to come from somewhere it will come from primarily your body fat stores. So you absolutely can 
and will, if you are in a deficit, lose body fat during menopause. Is it harder if you're struggling with symptoms? Hell freaking yes, it is harder. And can sometimes your fat loss be masked on the scales because your hormones are fluctuating a lot and it doesn't make hell of, like it doesn't make as much sense as maybe previously when you had a normal cycle and you could sort of understand your hormonal fluctuations more. Yes, absolutely. So just looking at the scales can be quite misleading. But there are hundreds of women in this group who are also peri or postmenopausal who have lost weight while being peri and postmenopausal. So it is absolutely possible. But if there are certain symptoms that you're struggling with, please reach out. We will do our best to try and help. And then also, like, just remember, we are 100% not here to judge you. And it is so much easier for us to coach if you say, okay, I've been trying to stick to 1600 calories, but I'm not sleeping. And actually, honestly, it's really, really hard. And my hunger levels are really high. And I've been trying to hit my steps, but actually I'm normally only getting X amount of steps. And some days I'm missing them all together. And some days I overeat on these, like, then we know what the problem is. It's not like we're absolutely never going to judge you for that. It just makes you coachable because you're being honest with us. And that's all we ask from you is that, that you're honest with us. Now, it's very hard from a coaching standpoint, if you're like, I'm perfectly sticking to all of my calories. I hit every single marker of everything, but I'm not losing weight, even though we know from like basic physiology that you should be in a deficit on those. That's much harder to coach than if you're totally honest with us and you're like, yeah, four days a week, I can stick to it. But then I just feel like I really need to eat some chocolate and I end up overeating on chocolate. Great. That's a problem we can find solutions to. Yeah. So always feel like you can talk to us and be totally honest. And that makes you so, so, so much easier to coach and find solutions for. Oh my God. Yeah. It's the most frustrating thing when you can't get that out of clients because you can't, you're at a roadblock. You're at, and you can't help them and they can't help you and you're stuck. So honesty is, honesty is such a huge part of successful client, client coach relationships. Yeah. Um, really interesting study that I read today that showed, and this, blew my mind even though the placebo effect blows my mind but every, I knew it was every gonna, day every time you say that it's about some kind of placebo study right go on right so it was looking it was a study on hrt and they had two groups obviously one was getting hrt and one was getting a placebo so they thought they were getting hrt but they weren't 58 percent reduction in menopausal symptoms in the placebo group I'm not surprised because I think it's wild. It's but you know wild. what was amazing is that it was a lot of it. Uh, no, that actually it was 58% reduction in severity of hot flashes, hot flushes even. I always get confused because Americans call them flashes. Same, same. And then I'm like, nah, that doesn't suit me. Anyway, hot flushes. So it was actually like measurable. You know, it's not just like, it's not just a perception. Like that's an actual measurable thing. You're not just like perceiving that you're less tired or something like actually you can count the amount of times these things are happening. So, yeah, I thought I thought it was amazing. And then I've just been listening to this um, book all about expectation effects and I'm like how some of these things happen is like pain reduction and things without having any treatment. Oh, so, yeah. So, OK, well, OK, two things. One, I'm not surprised about that. Uh, it's mind-blowing I'm not I agree with you it's mind-blowing but think about it like you start to experience enough of these symptoms that you basically start to expect them and feel anxiety around them 
you reach out to people online who are going through the same thing and then you're in an echo chamber and before you know it you expect these things to happen to you constantly they do keep happening because you are genuinely going through the menopause and before you know it you just end up in this snowball effect I think of perception and reality and it's completely human and completely normal but it's really interesting that on the flight back today because of what happened when I came back from Monaco I was so anxious and I was so like in my own head and freaking out and James kept being like you have to get out of your own head because we went to the airport at the same time and took two different places like you have to get out of your own head you're going to give yourself like a panic attack and you're going to part like you have to stop and I was like okay and I got on the plane and I just basically decided to um close my eyes and think of Bertie and I like woke up and I was we were landing and I pulled myself out of anxiety into actual sleep. <laughs> I actually went to sleep just by completely shifting my head. And I was sat there on the plane like, this isn't going to work. I'm going to faint. It's going to happen again. I'm on my own on a plane. Oh my God, what are they going to do? I'm pregnant. And it was like, and it's so interesting. So it's in that like chimp paradox, how they talk about, you know, pulling yourself out of that kind of cycle and read the, the pain reduction thing. So when James um, had his best time with England, was when he had his most pain in his um in his tendon and his foot and in his toe ligament and every time like I would go to like training camp and I'd see the coaches like Eddie Jones and Steve Borthwick and everyone and I would say like guys how how's his foot how's his toe and they'd be like no no not talking about it we don't talk about it we don't mention it no 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 and he had his best best time under Eddie and he did end up having to retire because of that injury but he was completely able drug-free to compartmentalize the pain and have the best time in his career when he was probably experiencing his career-ending injury and the most pain he was going to have. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I guess that's, I mean, that that's one side of it, but like what you experienced on the, the plane, although you amazingly managed to pull yourself out of that, like is the opposite of the placebo, like the nocebo, where yeah, someone it. tells you that like, so one of the studies showed that um if you give someone aspirin but you tell them that one of the side effects of aspirin is nausea they are six times more likely to experience nausea than if you just give them aspirin and say this is going to help your headache and it like stuff like that is like crazy and even the magnitude effect that these things can have like placebo they showed that if you charge twice as much for a parkinson's disease drug it had almost twice the benefit like, really? that's mad that you just because it's more expensive that you have this higher expectation of it like so much of this and and obviously I was thinking of how it relates back to coaching and it just makes you like we know this already but remember that so much of clients experiences and that we try and hammer this home but I think with these like real life placebo examples how, so much of your experience as a client is everything else that your coach does not your calories and macros, not your workouts. It's actually like the whole, like we might term it mindset, right? But it's your approach to dieting. It's your expectations. It's how well supported you feel. It's how like confident you are in your coaches. Because if you feel confident in what we're telling you, you're far more likely to follow through with that. And if you feel supported, you're again, far more likely to follow through with these things. Yeah. And you can, you can use it to your advantage. Oh no, this is this is um this is Stephen, not uh this is not my flatmate. He's just come to help me. Stephen, do you want this? Oh. 
Oh, you're that annoying hot girl, mate. That's like, can you come over? <laughs> I can't do anything for myself. Um, I love it. Can I also just end it on the placebo effect with um again, again? In that you know, I always talk about that Brett Contreras podcast that I listened to years ago that really made me laugh. And actually, I will say a lot of what he said stuck with me because it really made me laugh. And he said he had one client who, like, every time she took creatine on her way to the gym like as a pre-workout she was like Brett you're wrong it makes me stronger it makes me stronger and he said he spent like the first few weeks being like no it doesn't that's not how creatine works and then he was like hang on why am I challenging this he's like she's coming in because you know he has this like little he has like his own strength competition that has like a everything that you normally have but then like a pull a pull up and a and a military press as well and he was like, why am I challenging this? She's one of my athletes. So he was like, yeah, my God, this is amazing. Keep taking it pre-workout because it, it, the placebo effect was undeniable on her. And she truly believed that it was making her stronger as a pre-workout. It's true. And, and there is, are- I think it genuinely does. And not just from like a psychological perspective, but they showed like some of these examples are giving people water and saying that there's caffeine in it shows a heightened response in terms of cortisol and in terms of blood pressure like because of the expectation you have and it works better if you've had the drug before so like caffeine as a drug your body knows what to expect from your mind thinking that it's had caffeine so it will respond in the same way they showed that an empty inhaler provides 30 percent of the benefits to asthmatics it's freaking like incredible that your body has this expectation and can actually respond in that way that's amazing it's amazing uh, right okay should we continue with the questions and then oh we've been here an hour right okay um emma hello new here so far so good i do circuit classes three times per week lots of weights and lifting and cardio and finishes normally an am ramp ramp am wrap or plank hell is it okay to sub those for your suggested workouts and just saying now that i am promising myself that you all that all I will not eat crap tonight. <laughs> well, you've said it here now, Emma. So um, yeah, that's absolutely fine. And side note, I would question if you're eating crap because of all of that activity. And especially when you talk about circuit classes and, uh, and all that, like- Well, it's three times per week. Circuit classes three times per week, but then what, what, I feel like she said quite a lot of other stuff. Oh there. no, it's just what they include. Okay, fine. But things like circuit classes, anything that's going to be, and I don't, like anything that's in that kind of higher intensity interval zone, anecdotally, historically, can have a huge impact on hunger with clients and something to think yeah. about. This is so funny. Verity's just replied to the, the question about setting realistic expectations, being like, maybe it's learned behavior from narrative being drilled into us over decades. Magazine saying, lose 10 kilograms in three days. It's difficult to unlearn, but be gentle with yourself. Also, Emma will probably recommend journaling. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right, Sarah, struggling to get protein in as lactose intolerant. What is a good yogurt to use? Well, I wouldn't use log- yogurt if you're lactose intolerant. No. But you, there are literally <laughs> hundreds of other protein sources aside from yogurt. I'm obsessed with eggs at the moment. You go through these phases, your cottage cheese phase. I know. Protein bar phase in Mexico. And now your egg phase. I love eggs with some grated cheese on top and some fresh tomatoes. This is what you need to do. Scrambled eggs, fresh tomatoes, like like either half cherry tomatoes, but like small bits of tomato, but, but fresh. Don't put them in the pan. And then sprinkling of cheese. Just What kind of cheese? Just cheddar? 
I like the really, so you know, the side of the cheese grater that nobody uses, not the Parmesan side, not the big grated cheddar side, like the really thin stringy side that no yeah. one uses. Grated Emmental on that, like just 10, 20 grams, stop it. Stop it. Oh, yes. Okay, Emma, something I think is really freeing is the suggestion to eat every three hours. I'm one of those people who felt guilty for eating lunch before 12 because I was so hungry. And even after day one, I realized I just need to factor in a decent mid-morning snack. Mm. Oh, yeah. Favorite diet hack. It always, always works for every client. Eat every three hours. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think most people trip themselves up by getting too hungry. And yeah. then they have in their head like, oh, I think often it's the, it's basically getting in the routine of overeating in the evening and then thinking that you need to compensate for that by undereating during the day. And you're like, I know I'm going to overeat in the evening, so I'm going to like make sure my calories are really low in the day. And then you're like, well, actually, is the reason that you're overeating in the evening because you've kept your calories so low during the day and then you get home and then you're starving and then you end up overeating. So usually it's getting away from the over-restriction. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also another beautiful side effect of it is that, you know, say four meals a day, for some people five, but for most people it'll end up being four. You get into a habit of having like your last meal at night and like, like you know, I'm not saying it has to be the same as the last um, three that you've eaten, but you get into the habit of like, this is my last meal at night. And again, we talk about the psychology of dieting. That goes a long way in terms of adherence and and also just feeling satisfied at the end of the day. It's really interesting. There's so many benefits of doing it. And yeah, it does challenge that whole kind of thing of like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like, why? <laughs> why? If you're hungry, eat. I've just seen who who put the low carb on. <laughs> it's making me cry. What? <laughs> I've just seen who it was <laughs> that um put <laughs> at low carb for three weeks who i don't know if i want to say on the podcast what why what's the well i mean it's there it's on the live you can have a look okay well it's gonna take me a minute (laughs) right i'll continue with the question um sabrina do you have any tasty protein shake recommendations I always think they'll taste like a delicious milkshake. Yeah, I always think that as well. But find that they're, they're, find them sweet and powdery. I think the best one I've ever had is Smart Protein. Oh, <laughs> I see why. You, you see that? Yeah. Obviously. Lol. Um, smart Protein or Ready to Drinks. Ready to Drinks always taste amazing, but bear in mind the reason they taste amazing is because they've got more sugar in it. Um, and it's, oh, I think it's made with milk. grenade one, sugar free. It's their favorite flag to wave. I'm like, no one cares about sugar. What? They're yeah. ready to drink, so sugar free. Yeah, all like all of their protein products are. But they've got carbs in. They've got carbs in. Right. <laughs> so they it. have sugars in. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. But hang yeah. on, like allergy. Wait there. Let me get it. Let me get it. I have to turn the camera away because I'm in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love when people say no sugar. Okay, there's carbs in it. <laughs> um hello all i'm new here i have a very basic question on the measurement front is there a guide on how to measure myself never done it before and i'm really struggling to fill out the form okay 
don't worry because it, it, it asks you excessive things like what's the measurement of your right neck and what's the measurement of your left neck which makes no sense whatsoever I would just do your largest part of your arm upper arm largest part of your thigh and then widest part of your uh, waist okay look here it is so lactose free low sugar high protein it is here's the breakdown 200 calories 7.5 grams of fat 7.5 grams of carbs that's quite a lot of fat 25 grams yeah 25 grams of protein see i'd rather have a protein bar for that same calories i would too unless it's over cereal by the way thank you everyone since i told that story for going and finding the grenade post tagging me in it and saying that i should get royalties from it i love you okay bish bosh body recomposition i like that i've been so stuck on being a certain weight for so long and it's clouded my vision i would happily stay at my current scale weight if i felt better in my in my skin yeah what you weigh is so irrelevant but the likelihood is if you improve your body composition you will probably weigh less but it's a byproduct not an end result bish bosh maybe let's not weigh in anymore which emma and i don't love saying because it makes our job really hard but it's not worth it if it's really tripping you up. It's just, and we can only say, we say this all the time. It sounds like a dig. It's not a dig. We can only say it so many times. If it's not sinking in, what's yeah. the other solution? Stop weighing in. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if it's like ruining your mood every day, don't do it. Who cares? Not, not us, not you. Like, well, obviously you, but like you shouldn't literally, <laughs> literally nobody else cares. And if you're making those, if your outcome is, I want to improve my body composition, start measuring body composition. Now you can't do that directly on those like scales that say that they measure body composition. But what you can do is take measurements. What you can do is take progress photos. What you can do is measure strength to body weight ratio exercises, like how many press-ups you can do. Those are really good markers. And if those are all coming down or going up for the exercise, then you know that you're on the right track. Great. Okay, Lisa, I'm only five foot two and 1600 calories is quite a lot. I've always worked out three to four times, a week, sorry, four to five times a week. Can I reduce this amount of calories? Thanks. How much activity are you doing? If you just do a post for us, that'd be great. Like how much activity you're doing and also what your goals are. I'm assuming here fat loss, but might not be. So current weight, because remember it's, it's less about how tall you are and more about how much you weigh your total body mass that's going to dictate your total daily energy expenditure. So if we know your activity level and your total mass, then we'll be able to say how big a deficit you are, or the calories that would fall in a decent sized deficit for you. Okay, Tajal. Hey ladies, quick one. I hope, I'm hoping to slowly get back to workouts near the end of the week after three weeks of nothing from grand, glandular fever recovery. Should I focus on step increase or workouts for the workouts should i be keeping the weights lower and gradually get back to normal or reduce the sets and weights or a mixture of both i know i need to do this slowly mm. i i would say let, let's start by doing if you really are starting from like ground zero in terms of activity by doing short walks outside 10 20 30 minutes see how you get on um give that a few days if not a week 
and then read the workout, you're you're very naturally not going to be lifting at your 70, 80% warm rep max anyway. Your body's not going to be there. Make sure that you're really well fueled and ideally really well, well rested before your first session. Go back. I would say start at like... 30% of your one rep max, see how you go and don't overtax yourself. Stop with, you know, I would say two to three at least, at least reps in reserve and reassess how did I find that. If you're not ready and you need to leave the gym at any point, like after that or there, just do. Um, and then we'll just keep going in and keep trying to build you back up. And obviously the walking will help, but it will be a journey and it will likely take you two to three weeks to get even close to where you were because you've you've been ill you'll be depleted you'll be you'll feel weaker and you're probably still not going to be 100% for for a minute yeah and if you try and do it quicker it will take longer like if you if you're like I'm going to go back and do a full session tomorrow you'll push yourself backwards again and probably make yourself unwell so do take your time with it and ease yourself back in and follow Chloe's advice Okay, Debbie, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to write my goals and why down and read them out each day to try and stop the scale weight obsession creeping back in. Debbie, get the journal because these kind of thoughts you write down and then you make sense to them. And you're like, is that a useful thought? No, it's not a useful thought. Am I going to action it? No. Okay. And then you'll notice that these thoughts come up less and less and less and less. But yeah, that's essentially that's what you're going to be doing just in a slightly less structured way. Okay um between a fat free and a product which contains fat for example greek yogurt which option should i go for many thanks i would go for the fat free purely because if you're on a fat loss phase you're saving calories and typically the fat free versions do tend to be higher in protein um but that is not from a nutritional standpoint that's just from a fat loss goal standpoint yeah, it's always a bit of a, like, well, it is, it's a balance, right? If if you're struggling to stick to your calories, then fat-free options are fantastic. When it comes to fat-free options, I, I normally suggest that you, like, choose your indulgences. If you're like, I don't mind using margarine instead of butter, fine, use margarine instead of butter. But if you're someone who's like, I love having a piece of toast with butter and it just, like, is my favourite thing, great have that because that's your enjoyment thing if you're like I love full fat Greek yogurt that's your thing Jordan everyone wants to see how hot you are <laughs> Jordan we need to rate you on the hot scale <laughs> Chloe's gonna what rate Chloe's gonna, Chloe's gonna rate you <laughs> was Jordan the one? Oh, hey Jordan I've seen hey. you hot well done well, I mean, it's a shame. It's a shame. Were you the one asking about George Michael, or is that someone else? No, that was Stephen who came in to, to get the. He's Stephen as well. We need to see him. Okay, I mean, he's. And, he's... and what's the girl called who's moving in? Lisa. We need to see Lisa and her cats. Yeah, um, Lisa and the cats will come. Yeah. We need to be able to visually put a face to a name when you talk about people. Okay, well now you know Jordan. We love Jordan. Okay, great. Great. Jordan can stay. Jordan's the mascot of the EC method. He'll <laughs> the cats. You're the mascot now, apparently. I'm the mascot. Of the EC method. And there's 600 women on here. Jordan's single, guys. And I love as well that he's Scottish, and I just told him that he was a mascot. <laughs> Very clever. Thank you. Thank you. It's my second then right there <laughs> right okay sarah just joined and had questions about adding any extra exercise i did like did ec back and knee supported 
FB1 this morning and then also did a cycle class. Also, can I add what weight I used anywhere on the app? Have you taken that away on yours, on your workouts? No. Taken what away? The ability to add the weight. You should be able to do that. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even know that this was a thing <laughs> until well, I did it. Like, no, I mean, what do you mean? Do I add weights to, do I tell no, no, no. them? As in, like, they can put in the weights that they've added. I mean, I didn't even know this was a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, you should be able to do that on the app. Like, you just you just click what weight that you would add. Would I have to go, would I have to remove it? Yeah, you would have had to actively remove no, it. No, because I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> but Mubu in the last round did ask this. She was like... So I, I need to go. I'll go look at it. Yeah. No, it's normally there as a preset. Okay. And then re like adding a cycle class. That's absolutely fine. You can log on the app if you like logging on the app, but you don't necessarily have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll just get to the end of these. Because we'll you said logging on the app, and now I'm thinking about something. <laughs> Oh God, what? You're thinking about pooing. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) (laughs) Laura, every three hours, yes. I start work at 7 a.m. I have nuts and fruit early, then have oats at around 9 till 10, and then have lunch at 1, and save some for the afternoon snack at around 3.30, and then I can go to the gym after work, and home for dinner works really well, and I have a very physical job. Awesome. Okay, Tanya, Emma, the giant sets on the app. So we rest after we've done one round of every move or is it bang straight into the next round? Um, It's totally up to you. I'm going to be honest, when I do it, it's bang straight into the next round or like maybe a sip of water or something, but take as long recovery as you want. I just like to kind of get those done at the end. But yeah, if you want to take between zero and three minutes between each round, then do that. It should be there in the notes as well. Uh, Kirsty, newbie here. I'm 10 weeks post-op from shoulder surgery. For the home workout, should I do just the lower body workouts or mix with the full body ones and drop any exercises I can't do? I know you normally say avoid repeating workouts for the same body parts. Um, okay, we, we actually had this earlier today with someone who's who's clearly got some kind of injury and doesn't know what it is and was asking this question. Same applies here. You can do upper body when whoever it is that's doing the rehab of your surgery or, you know, the, the, the physio after your surgery tells you that you can, and you, they should be giving you like a rehab routine to get back to, to full fitness of that area. That's not the right term, but you know what I mean? Um, full use of that area. And there might be short, medium and or long-term no-goes. And Emma and I don't know what they are. So it's really scary for us to be like, oh, it's fine, go do it. And then bang, the surgery that you just had gets fucked because of us. Like well, this isn't where we're qualified and we don't know your specific case. So as soon as whoever it is that's looking after you says to you, you can do X, Y, Z, but not A, B, C, that's when you know what you can and can't do. Um, and then I feel like the second part of the question was, is she saying can she train the same area two days in a row and the answer is I wouldn't for any of you no um no she says I know you don't normally recommend repeating the same working the same body parts and I wouldn't do them in a row but you might be like I'm going to still do three workouts a week mostly focus on lower body and some core 
that's yeah. absolutely fine that's fine yeah but I wouldn't be doing like I don't know two lower body sessions with squat deadlifts thrusts lunges and step ups like two three days in in a row every week like you're just not going to recover from that yeah yeah make sure you're resting and recovering okay great oh okay well that was fantastic and great <laughs> I'm really happy <laughs> made it through <laughs> bye everyone going to bed now bye <laughs>